the distance between the head and the heart is the greatest distance in all creation. And so how do we take that truth and then make it into something acting and transformation of the heart? And then how do we then connect it? Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Francisco's Sermon Podcast. This is a message from our worship service on Sunday mornings in downtown San Francisco. This podcast is a ministry of our church, and we're praying it's useful for you and for the kingdom, for the praise of His glory. Today, the reading is from John 12, verse 26. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will, be, will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you also will live." In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in, in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps it, he, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I, I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring, bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, while, while, while Sarah was reading, as I'm, as I'm listening to the text, some of you, I, I live in this, right? I'm in this like day in and day out. I'm reading it. I'm, I'm soaking in it. So for you, you're reading it. Maybe Maybe it's not... It, maybe it f feels a little impenetrable, but even as Sarah's reading, I have this sense that um, I don't, I'm not equal to this text, either spiritually or intellectually or otherwise. And it suddenly hits me that, that, I, that I must cry out to God so that I can, uh, so that I can do this work um, of preaching. So let, let me ask him now, Father... You know my need, you know my people's need for you, Holy Spirit. Come and give us Jesus, because we have prayed in his name for his glory. Amen. Amen. So, uh, I want to begin by a very, rather simple observation. Uh, what we're going to look today is at the spirit of holiness. Now, that, the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of holiness only in Romans 1, I think. Well, that's the only place in the New Testament where it happens, but... 
But Romans 1 talks about him as the spirit of holiness. We call him the Holy Spirit. It sounds like the same thing almost, doesn't it? But I think they, they have subtle nuances. But, but there, there's something I want us to see here, and I want us to talk about the ethical imperatives of the gospel. Does the gospel, does this good news, does Christianity create a moral system, some ethical imperative that you must carry out or do? Does it tell you what to do or not? You know, a lot of, a lot of non-believers, people who are not familiar with Christianity, and there might be some of you, often have a vision of Christianity that is filled with rules. It's just filled with all sorts of don'ts. And all the don'ts are centered around all the things you want most. <laughs> you know, or, and some, somehow it's going to forbid or, or, or terrify you away from being able to enjoy life and, and do what you want and do as you please with your body or, do, or with your money or with your friends. And, 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 you know, and so the external person coming at, the, at Christianity just sees it as a morass of, of ethical obligations that maybe terrify, maybe they frighten people. But it's funny because that's a mistake. It's actually not true. It's a false, it's a false concept, and often it's filled with, filled with things that have no moral value like, uh, like, uh, or things that have limited moral value. What I mean is it's all about whether you drink or whether you chew tobacco, and whether you go with the girls that do, you know, and, and, you know, and, and so the Christianity is fashioned in this, having this moral weight, and, then, and then, then the world looks at that moral code that I just articulated, that I just gave voice to, and goes, really? That's all you can come up with? Like, that's what distinguishes you as a Christian, is how you're somehow, you know, mater- externally look better than others, cleaner, you uh, know, uh, yeah, I will often choose uh, tease people that when I see them, you know, that's a fine young Christian haircut you got there. <laughs> now, where I came from and when I came to Christ and I went to Wheaton, I discovered there were a lot of Christians who he even who had invested in their idea, the idea of that was where holiness lay, you know, the length of your skirt or the, or the, or the cut of your hair. All that, all that's, uh, that's ridiculous. It's not, it's not biblical. It's not biblical at all. But I can see how the world gets that mistake. But then on the other side, uh, and that's the legalism, in, which equals religion as rules. But on the other side, amongst Christians, especially here in San Francisco, I find this free pass version of grace. In other words, grace has just set me at a point where I can decide what I do with my body and how I live with my friends and what I do with my money or my time. And in the end, that what God did is God's love set me in a place where I'm above moral questions. I'm above any moral challenge to who I am and how I live. That's stupid, isn't it? <laughs> and I'm, but, but it's so powerful in the church, and it creates all sorts of terrible, terrible fruit. And so somewhere between the external mistake and this error, and I think it has all sorts of spiritual blindness in it, keeping people out by preaching rules that don't make sense. On the other side, you have Christians who, who care nothing for the purity of their lives, their bodies, their mouths, their hearts, and their minds. I think it's just kind of something, something to not worry over or not want. And I see today, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit we've been talking about this whole time. And the premise I am bringing here is that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the paraclete coming alongside. And this is the idea. He just, it's like, I'm right, right next to Julia. I'm right next to her, right? That's the Holy Spirit. He comes alongside. He, 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 he ambles up and delivers something else. Not even himself. He delivers Jesus. He delivers forgiveness and knowledge of God. Oh, he delivers all these things. He is the paraclete. 
But one of the things I want us to see is that the Spirit takes us into who God is. You see, by the cross and by the forgiveness of Jesus that, for, that cleanses me from my sin, by the substitution of Jesus for me at the cross, my sins are forgiven and washed away. And now I can enter the Holy of Holies. That's what this place is. Where the Father and the Son and the Spirit, that is the holiest of all holy places. And that holy place that no man or woman or child could ever see is now thrown open like a big door to everybody who believes, whose trust is in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is the one that opens that door and delivers you to it and makes you able to go in. And I, this, I just, the Holy Spirit, and this is today, let me write this moment. One of you in your heart of hearts right now say, Holy Spirit, will you help him to preach better and help me to hear better? Why not? If you're not entertained or, or informed, then pray. And what I'm, I'm really serious about this because the skids of truth and the reality of the truth of which I'm preaching or teaching to you only is equipped and moved into application into your life by the presence and the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of holiness. We have seen him as the spirit of truth. We looked at the spirit of adoption last week. And this week we look at the spirit of holiness. The Holy Spirit now intersects these antinomies and these, these errors, you see, the, the free pass of grace or the religion of rules, and instead has a Holy Spirit power that creates holiness that begins with your head, goes into your heart, and then results in your hands. Give me your hands and my, our hands together. Hands, all of our hands, all of our hands, plural, many, many hands. And so this is the premise then. Let anyone who's here, if you've heard of people teach or preach or proclaim at any point that Christianity is not have an ethical imperative, let them, let them be rebuked. They do not know the word and they do not know the son. They don't know the Holy Spirit. This is the fourfold, the fourfold repetition in the text. As if it was somehow, as if Christ were to say, don't miss it, Juliana. Don't miss it, Jenna. Don't miss this. If you love me, you will keep my commands. That, that original premise is then, what does he do with it? He manipulates the premise and he reverses it. He reverses it. Whoever has my commands and keeps them, he loves me. See, he flips it back. It's almost like it's a, it's a good equation. Either side of the equal sign works, right? It's, and then as he manipulates the idea, he repeats it with a nuance. If anyone loves me, then he expands it. He will keep my word. And all of a sudden now this premise is expanded and now it's reversed. Now it's said in the negative. How many more ways can Jesus say it to us until we get it? He is about a business, and it's Adele's holiness and the works prepared in advance for Chris to do and for Mia to do and for us to do together. <laughs> oh, 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 let the Holy Spirit rain down right now. Amen. Let him rain down and bring this truth to us, for we are not a holy people. And I fear that so much. I fear it as a pastor. I'm not a holy, holy man as I should be. And, and so this message, all the more, all the more is visceral, all the more immediate for me, not even for you, maybe. Maybe it's just for me. So I want to take this whole idea here that into our daily life. And I want to tell you the idea, the Holy Spirit is like a good transmission. <laughs> What's a transmission do? Now, I'm a little bit of a, I like, I like cars. So it's going to be really boring for a second. 
but the, it, there's something really amazing happens in a car. It, there's an energy, bam, 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 thousands of times every, every minute, bam, bam, bam. This explosive power drives pistons into a circular motion like this. Boom, 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 boom. A thousand times a minute. Three to five to 7,000 times a minute. RPM, revolutions per minute. You've seen it on your dial of your or dashboard, right? Of your car. Now all that spinning, you can't put that on the road. If you put that on the road, there's no control. It just flies out of control. All that power has to be translated, transmitted into another kind of motion. I want you to see this. The Holy Spirit takes the energy and power of eternity and does what? Translates a massive, massive power into what? Into action in Mike's life. And the rubber hits the road and the daily decisions you make. And this is what we need, isn't it? Don't you need this to have truth Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday? Don't you need to have truth when you're talking to your boss or when you're dealing with your mom or you're frustrated with the kids? Isn't this the truth that we want to penetrate? Our May the Lord himself, because he loves Jack and me and you so much, make sure the Holy Spirit does this today. That he begins to activate and translate an eternal love known in the cross into how Doug lives and the decisions he makes this week. Praise our Father if he does this, because if he does this, you better believe that means the Holy Spirit's here. And the Holy Spirit is active. The Holy Spirit, that's one of his deliverables. He is the Holy Spirit. He delivers holiness. He delivers holiness to you and me. So as we unpack this, I see in the text this pattern. And this is the same pattern I just described. Head, heart, and hands. Head and heart. And I see it as a cycle. Uh, uh, look, at, look at how my PowerPoint abilities are getting better. Aren't, that was only because Tal helped me. Because my wife helped me. I'm really proud of it, though. Although that middle arrow is a little bit off. She really kind of flubbed it on that, didn't she? All right. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, and, and what, I, what I see in this text and what I want to prove today is that the Holy Spirit first does his first work by informing, by delivering truth to you. But that truth is then delivered. Have you ever heard of this expression? The, dis different, the distance between the head and the heart is greater than any other distance in the world. The difference between the head and the heart is the greatest distance in all creation. And so how do we take that truth and then make it into something acting and transformation of the heart. And then how do we then connect it? And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of koinonia. Remember, we are made partakers in the, the, the Trinity. It's koinonia, as it says in 1 Peter. That's the same thing you and I enjoy. Together we enjoy now with him and in him and through him. Now, so I want to begin. Let us begin at the beginning. And let's say the Holy Spirit delivers truth to you. Yes, he does. He delivers truth. And you need him to deliver truth. And I want to begin by this, by this little verb here. You may have missed it. You may not have noticed it. I know I didn't at first. Whoever has my... And that stopped me in my track because I realized most of the people in this room have not read their Bibles all the way through. So in effect, if you have not devoured your scriptures, you don't have it. In, in this, this idea here, you have to have it. The Holy Spirit is not about making shortcuts for you so that you don't have to be in the Word. You don't have to know the Word or, or inhabit the Word. You have to have it. 
It's your possession. It was your gift. It's his voice. And if you don't have it, that's the first work he does. It's the work. It must be had. Go get it. <laughs> Let the Holy Spirit. Pray right, pray right now. The Holy Spirit would start giving you a hunger for the Bible that gets you into it. You may say, I don't understand a lot of this stuff. I don't, don't worry about that. Read. Take up and read. No excuses, Frankie. Take up and read. Even if you're sitting out there with Allison. Take up and read. Take up and read. Now, that first command, I know what you're going to say to me. More, maybe some of you will say to me, well, Chris, I don't understand it. How many of you have had that problem? Like, I only understand like 50 to 60%. All right. Well, what's the Holy Spirit also signed up to do? He will what? He will teach you. All right. You know what this means, Mike? Your being in the scripture and having them is an act of obedience that the Holy Spirit will work with. And the asking, ask. I, I don't, I'm surprised people open their scriptures. Even when I was studying and I, you know, in, in our tradition, there's a requirement, I get my master's and I'm in class after class. How do we study the nature of God? But we don't pray. Or there is a prayer, but it's a momentary token. And I think to myself, you read the New Testament, you read Paul. Paul cannot do the work of theology without bursting into praise. Why? You know, because the Holy Spirit's in. The Holy Spirit will teach you that and will teach you that role. Make your, you, you know, it's not just data that you're downloading here. It is understanding that we need and he will bring it. Do not be discouraged, but trust the Lord and trust his word and trust his commands. The next thing you may say, well, I don't understand it. How about this one? And this is really the main problem. Chris, I read it. I understand part of it. It just doesn't stick. Anybody have a problem with things sticking? Yeah, you forgot. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know what you need, Adele? You need more of the Holy Spirit. Because, no, let, hear the words of Jesus. Hear the words of Jesus. What does the Holy Spirit do? You see, we need to be a people who love the word and are so in love with the word, we're saying, Father, give us the spirit every time we open it. We wouldn't dare to open it without his, 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 uh, his help and crying out. As we cry out, I think what will happen if we're part of this committed to what Christ is teaching us here is that trust the Holy Spirit to bring it to mind when you need it. Trust him. Be in it. Fill up with it. Know it. Oh, know it. <laughs> I've never done that before. Uh, it doesn't stick. The Holy Spirit creates memory. He is the author of our faith. I know how stubborn and, and so, look, you know what my, my heart's like? I remember thinking this, especially when I was younger, and it's never really stopped. I feel like I listen to a sermon, and I feel like it was written on sand. And then the first worry, the first person cut me off in traffic, the first, the first anxiety of the week, and what happened to that entire sermon? It's like it never existed. The Holy Spirit's telling you, get his teaching. Trust me to teach you what it is, and I'll bring it to memory. Be in it. We have to be a people of truth in the word. He is the spirit of truth. But this next, the next process, part of this process, now we're informing the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, is acting on it. Now, that looks just like what I just wrote, doesn't it? What just happened? There we go. All right, so let's go now to the second part. And it's all, of, did you notice in all of the commands in the fourfold, the fourfold premise, 
uh, converse, corollary, and, and, and opposite premise that we looked at in the beginning in, verses, in these verses. They, he uses the word keep. And I love, look at, look at what right is in the, beautifully in the, in the definition of, of keep in the Greek. And this idea of keeping, it's not guarding even, it's, it's like this, it, it has this view of like hovering almost. Keep in view, to take note, to watch over. Mm. Something about that just, oh, I like that. I like, because it almost sounds within reach. It doesn't sound like, I don't, it's not like I have to be perfect. I've been told that the, the law is not, I, am, I must, perfection is what I must hunger for. But what, I'm, what I hear here is, is something kind of tender with me. A tender invitation into the, into the work of his holiness. That's what this word keep kind of invites us into, doesn't it? And the keeping here, this is where the keep is, where the, kind of the rubber going to hit the road, hopefully. I hope, Father, I really want this. Come glorify yourself in us and, and in, this, in the word this morning. And, but this keeping, what does this keeping entail? What, where, where is it directed? I see three places in this text. I'm sure there's more. But I see three places that I want you to see with me. The keeping, this watching over, this taking note of, begins with prayer. The asking. We will look at the spirit of intercession next week, but the asking. The asking. And the asking that Christ participates in, doesn't he? Look at verse 16. And I will ask. The asking that's compounded by the eternal asking of the Father. And you get a sense here, I, I get a sense especially, that this is a picture of what's happening in the Trinity, right? And this idea that the Son is asking and you're asking, and there's this wonderful community and solidarity and union. Oh, ooh, I want that. I want that so much. So where does this keeping start for you and me? It starts in the humble, the humble needing and asking and requesting. Uh, don't you love that Jesus makes us start in the easiest place possible? <laughs> on. You should be thankful for this. Look, we pray for Melody today, right? We pray for Melody. Melody Shoe is, as I'm speaking, trying to force a child, a human being out of her body, out of a very small aperture. It is, it is painful. It's unpleasant. It is, have you ever, it's not easy. But I was sitting here telling Peter, you know, it's funny, it's, we just prayed. We had the easy job, right? It wasn't anything to do, we just prayed. <laughs> Amen, we don't have to be there. I am glad I don't, uh, don't tell Simon and Elliot I said that, but I'm very glad I don't have to be there. Now, but what am I talking, but because asking, it's just such a humble dependence, isn't it? It's such a humble, if God says, Lindsay, I want you to be holy. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna, well, could you just ask? Oh. Oh, will you make me holy? Oh, yes, 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 yes. I'll tell you, if you walk out of here and that becomes a prayer in your life, then I've won. <laughs> I'm serious. I think, I've, I think that's a done deal. If that happens, that is the presence and the power and the work and the anointing of the Spirit on people like you and me. Amen? And we just want that. And we begin to ask for it, tangibly believing. This is the ground floor. And I will say, let's join James, if you don't have you don't ask. Right? It's that simple. It's that simple. All right, but this is not just merely asking, but there's also in the prayer, there's also repenting. And what I mean is, there's something hovering. There's a darkness behind this text, which is so weird to me because the text is so beautiful. Like this text is communicating the eternal love and presence and glory and saving power of Jesus. 
But what's the backdrop? What's the backdrop? He's telling them, he's offering, he's gesturing all this love. He's gesturing all this access. All you need to do is come to me. I love you so much. I love you so much. What's going to happen? And he knows full well, just a few hours after this, Peter's going to say he doesn't know him. John Mark's going to run naked away as they grab his clothes. Every one of the other disciples is going to scatter to the four winds. Nobody knows where they are. They're all gone. And I want you to hear this. Why do you think he says this? Bring to your remembrance here. Why does he keep telling them the Holy Spirit's going to remind you of all this? Because they're going to forget (laughs) when they screw up. Right? Right? How do we keep? How do we watch over? How do we take note of the commands of Christ? Remembering when we screw up, when we mess up, when we've wandered, when we haven't known, when we denied him, when we forsook him, when we hated him. What did he do? What did he, he preached this message. <laughs> what did he do when he knew the imminent rejection of the men he loved most? I love you guys. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you, the Holy Spirit's going to remind you all this. Because you're going to get really, really scared. and It's going to be really dark. Oh, what a tender Savior. Do you, do you see how much room God just made for your holiness? Do you see how much room he just made for your holiness? He said, first of all, just ask me, make it my job, make it my problem, make it my work. Amen. And then what's the other part of room? It's the room that this is the promise I give to the men and the women who in the end just really don't make it and really don't love and really don't, don't follow me and really don't chase me. Ah, you know, we're in the presence of the final keeping. Love. Look at it. Look at it. Look how the, the text drips with love. <laughs> After this, it's going to, oh, it's, it's love. Now you may, English is such a, has a poverty here. Our, our, our native language has no, has no uh, subtlety here. We, we have one word for love. One word, and that love can mean sex, it can mean friendship, and it can mean self-sacrifice. You can mean any one of those words when you say love. You can say, I want to have sex with you, I want to die for you, or you're a great friend. You can say all those things when you say love. Not the Greeks had an advantage on us. And the advantage was that they had realized that that is really a, a really, and this is very Greek. Greek the Greek mind loved to categorize and, 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 and kind of, you know, uh, create, create detail like this. But you have phileo, and this is the love of a brother for another brother. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly shove. I mean, love. <laughs> That's where I come from, Sorry. Uh, the, the phileo. And, and so phileo lives, a philanthropist. We lives in our language still. Philanthropist, a lover of his brother. Eros, well, that's an easy one. We all know about erotic love. Erotic love is the primary expression of love in our culture, in our generation, and in San Francisco. But no, this last one, this is the love that the lifetime specials are trying to reach for. This is the love. <laughs> Sorry, I had to go there because uh, Christmas season's coming and I know. <laughs> I know what agape looks for my wife. Uh, it's me sitting down and, and watching these and, and pretending to enjoy them. Uh, anyway. <laughs> no, I, I enjoy them. All right. Agape. What is this? This is the final love. This is the love that surrenders all. This is the love that says, Mia, if I love you, I will, I will die for you. 
And this is ground floor, how Deborah and Joyce and Adele and Peter are to love each other and to love me and to love him. Because it's how he loves. It's the Trinity's love, one for the other. <clears throat> it's the love that conquers all things. It's the love, sorry, greater than, greater than, greater the greatest force in the world. It's the love that conquers everything. And what happens here? What do we discover? That these commands, keep my commands, my words, my words, what are they? How will they sum summed up? How will you sum up the law? You shall love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your might. And the second command is like unto it, isn't it? What is it? You shall love your neighbor. Look around. The people around you, look out there. Look, look on the street. Whoever, whoever's in front of you is your neighbor. How shall we love? Now, something has happened here. You know, it's kind of funny. Something has happened here. Something to trump all things. Something that, 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 that where love has no limits, you see. And, and this is where this, this question about legalism and antinomianism gets so confusing. Here, Galatians 5, but I say walk by the Spirit. By the way, by the way, John probably wrote this after this. I think John read this. So I say walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so they may not do the things that you please. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not... Under the, now you see how people get this antinomian mistake over here? You see this? You see this? Like, oh, no, there's no law, Chris. I can do what I want. You can't tell me what I can't do. It said right here, you are not under the law. So you can go jump in a lake and take your Bible with you. That's what, in other words, this mistake, this error, is an appropriation of biblical truth for selfish means, for selfish gain. You see what I mean? It's taking this truth, which is so precious, we'll look at it right now. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are what? Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I have forewarned you to say, forewarned you just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, wait a second, he says there's no law, but you're not going to inherit the kingdom. What's going on here? Eh, I want a rule. And this is so classically the way we are. We want rules, don't we? Especially you engineering types, you love rules. Uh, some of you just, you just like everything spelled out. Because then you know if you're right and other people are wrong, or if they're wrong and you're right. You know, it doesn't, this is the same thing, right? I want you to follow me here. But the fruit of the Spirit, by the way, it's in the singular right there. So this is a whole package deal. This is everything that God delivers is what? It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, self-control. Against such things, what? There is no law. I want to give you a picture here. Have you ever seen a construction site where they're just pouring the concrete? You ever seen that? When, the, when, the, when, when all the molds are up, the molds, and the molds will often, if the mold, when, you, when they pull the mold off, you often will see the pattern of the wood, even in the concrete. You can actually see visually how that concrete set and it wet, and when it was wet, it set. It set into something, right? And they, and they, and they, they build, it's, it's really amazing to watch them build the molds for these skyscrapers that are going up thousands of feet, and, and their molds are built and poured. And it hardens and the mold falls away. What is the law? The law was that mold, you see? It's the mold. 
You see, it's the mold. Now, watch this. It's all the rules are the mold, they, and, they're, and they're everywhere. And you need to know your scriptures if you want the Holy Spirit to make this make sense to you. You have to have them and ask him to show you this. But the mold, with Jesus now, the mold is not needed. I mean, follow this. You don't have to tell somebody with the spirit not to steal because somebody who really has the spirit not only knows that they shouldn't steal, the response is, well, yeah, actually I'm challenged by how much I can give away. You see, what are they doing there? They're going this direction. They're going the direction of, to expansive, no limits. You see, they're, they're going the other way. The law had a function and it has a truth and, and that scaffolding, that, that, that mold that it creates is very important. It's, the law is holy and good and we need it because that scaffolding is something you need to know if you want to understand these truths. But when the scaffolding folds away, what happens? Something bigger than the law. What is it? Love. I mean, love at the sacrificial level for him. For, love, what wouldn't you do? You see, once he falls away, I know I shouldn't murder. I know I shouldn't hate, so I don't do that stuff. That's not a Christian response. I know I shouldn't murder. I know I shouldn't hate. All I, all I want to know is how can I love better? How can my love have more, make a, more, a deeper effect? on? How can I surrender? What can I die to for my sister and my brother here? How can I love them? What can I... And you see, all of a sudden, you now are actively engaged by the Spirit, and you're acting just like Jesus. Because what did Jesus say when he looked at you, man? He said, I will go to a cross and die for her. I will agape love her. I will, I will take my love, and I will give it no limits. <laughs> Praise him. Because his love will take him to a cross, and to, into a tomb, and then out of the tomb, the resurrection. We'll talk about a power, a love that has no limits. You know, it's funny. I was made a joke about lifetime. You know, and I, I've preached this. You know, you get the, here's my, here's my wedding ring, and it's a circle like eternity. And so it's kind of cute. It's kind of nice, right? It's a nice image. It's a nice picture. But in a sense, it's not true. The only true eternal love is God's love. It's all that hunger you had. All that hunger you had. And, you know, it's, I was driving down here, the hunger. I never noticed this before. As I drive down Broadway, when you get to the squalor of Broadway and Columbus, is that it right there? That's where all the strip joints are, right? You know, I was raised by a stripper. And I, when I drive by those places and I think about it, I think about my, the woman who helped raise me. It was such a big part of my life. And the one of the clubs is called something. Hungry one, I think so. Hungry, what? Hungry eye. I thought it was hungry one. It just, it just bothered me when I saw it. It's like, oh, what an, uh, 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 what are you hungry for? And who are you devouring? Do you hear it? Do you hear it? They devoured my Elaine. They devoured the people I love. That business is cruel and destructive. Hungry. Hungry for what? Hungry to destroy the lives of young women. What a shame. Oh, but you know what? There was a hunger. What was the hunger for? A love that never fails. A love that would give its life at a, for me. A love that would last forever in eternity. A love that a ring could symbol eternity would always last. Whose love is that? It's the love of Jesus. And it's the kind of love he does now create. And I guess in a sense, this is now really true because of Jesus, isn't it? I will love her eternally. Why? Because I'm loved eternally. <laughs> oh, Praise him.
praise him. But let's end now with this. Ooh. Uh, somebody can start counting. I never, I didn't count them. Every one of them, every one of these is in the plural. Did, did, you, did you just hear what I just said? Every, every chance we have of the Holy Spirit, every chance or desire we have for the Holy Spirit to be active, I mean active in us having truth, and that truth being delivered into our lives in love, is dependent on what? How you are connected with Mike and Ted. And look around. The promise of power for this generation is around you. Because this is where the Holy Spirit works. And this is the promise. And if you absent yourself from Bible study and you continue to resist going to church regularly and you continue to resist, we have five at five. What about nursery for the kids? Oh, I'll talk about this in a second. But for all of us, in all of us, through all, what does that sound like? What does this sound like? It sounds like the doxology we started with, remember? What do we say about God? For of him and through him and to him is all things. And now because we are in him and in his love, where does the spirit work? For all of us, in all of us, and through all of us. Praise him. Praise him with highest praise. <laughs> you know, it's funny, and this is, where the, this is where I wanted you to get back to this. Do you see the circle? You see, you learn, and where do you learn from? You learn from the community. When you go down with those kids in nursery, what will happen is you'll, you'll have to learn some information and have to communicate. It has to become, and you do something loving for others. And now in the community, what happens, this happens again, this happens to me as a preacher. Do you know I know more about God just because I'm a preacher? It's not because it was professional to begin with. It's because my am I drawing closer and closer and closer to his word? What happens to me as I'm doing that quote professionally? Well, you know, and nobody would accuse me of being very professional. I know that. But, but, but what does that get me? I get the benefit. I, you know, it's almost like I would say, I would dare to say that me being a preacher is one of the most selfish things I could do. I'm serious. Because I get constant, constant, constant connection with God and his truth. And I constantly get to love and be poured out. Praise him. And then when the Holy Spirit's not involved in this, of course, what happens? Burnout, distrust, resentment, fear. And, but let's get rid of all that. And let's go back to the Holy Spirit. Because what happens here? There's an amplifying that happens in community. And you could picture this as an ever-expanding circle where San Francisco is caught up in the work of the Holy Spirit as we are caught up in the work of the scriptures and caught up in knowing them, caught up in telling them, caught up in loving one another with all our hearts, caught up in the love of Christ for us at the cross, caught up again and again because the Spirit has caught us and we're caught up together. Praise Him. This is a wonderful dance you're being invited to, and you have to have a partner, many partners, in fact, in part of this dance, because it's a big, it's like one of those old uh, square dances, right? It's like that kind of idea. But we're all moving to the rhythm, and this is where that image from uh, Galatians is so potent. Keep in step with the Spirit. Do you hear it? Keep in step with the Spirit. First step, know your word. Ask to know it. Know it. Second step, love other people dramatically. Repenting. And then others, and then coming out, you see one, and what'll happen is this starts getting into a run, you know, and it starts getting, it expands and it amplifies. And one of the things that happens here is that when you're a part of this, and a part of the kids in nursery and the holy work that's there is the Holy Spirit starts using and doing things. You start seeing things 
And you become amplified. And this is what happens. Christ fulfills his promise that we will do greater works. And this is how. That you are how. You will do greater works. May the Holy Spirit so fill each one of you that we, we become a living dynamo of this truth and our love for San Francisco, each other, and our Savior. Praise him with highest praise. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we seal this time and this message with prayer because we began by saying like, that we, you know, the asking is so important. We ask for the Holy Spirit. We ask for the Holy Spirit to do, this, to do in us and through us what we're not capable of doing. I pray for, the, for our community together. Forgive us for being isolationist and, and kind of forgive us for resisting the Spirit. <laughs> we can do that, and we have done it. Each one of us has done it and suffered for it, I think. Uh, me, most of all. And I, uh, Father, I, I, we are crave this. And even, look, a lot of stuff we, we didn't understand, but I pray that what, what, what we don't understand, it doesn't matter. It's not an obstacle to you, Holy Spirit, teaching us and working in us and enlivening us and giving us this truth. Dear Father, dear Father, you promised you would send the Holy Spirit so we could see your Son. Let us see your Son now because the Holy Spirit is here. For we have come to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And model all your prayers after that. Model all your prayers after that. Ah. Whew. Um. All right, on the night our Savior was betrayed, it's actually a few hours, it actually right before this conversation, it's actually right before this conversation that we just heard about, where Christ is still, right before this, Christ uh, took bread and broke it, saying, this is my body, which is given for you, take and eat, and, 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 right, and after dinner, he poured wine in a cup, and he said, this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins, and what did he say, he said, do this, and what did he say? Remember me. See how memory, where do you, who do you think is equipping this to, 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 and charging it with memory for you and life? The Holy Spirit. This, 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 this is just a token celebration of meaninglessness, unless the Holy Spirit is here. And the Holy Spirit is here. And everyone who receives him by faith in this table receives a measure of grace. Oh, praise him. How could he be so accessible? Seriously. Why would he meet with you and me like this over bread and wine? He's just that good. He's just that good. So let's come to this table. There's wine to the right for those who prefer it and juice for those whose conscience or taste prefers that. We'll come forward. We'll take the juice and the wine back to our seats and we'll take it together as we, after we sing a song. Now, this table's not for everybody. And you've heard me do this and I, and I, and I do it. I have to set up a, a gate, a, a, a fence, a, a barrier, if you will. I have to. Otherwise, uh, the gospel is not true. And, and the barrier is this. Some people are not worthy of this table. Some people are not worthy to come up here. Who are, the, who are they? Every one of us who thinks they're not a sinner. Don't you get it? If you think you're a good person, you're not worthy of God's love. He came to save sinners. The ruined, like me. Just like me. Do you believe that? If you believe that, you have the Holy Spirit. Do you know that? <laughs> you do. He's living in you. Take great joy and courage. The Holy Spirit's in you, and you, you can come to this table. 
All right, I think I said everything. Oh, and some of us are skeptics. Some of us, gosh, I, gosh, I can't imagine how a skeptic processed this message. Um, well, uh, skeptics, uh, I hope your longing and your hunger, you acknowledge it because it's hunger for this. All your hungers were hunger for this. Trust me. And uh, your skepticism will not save you, but it could lead you to humbly call upon God. I mean, after all, if you're a skeptic, it might be true. All right. Have I said everything I have to say? Did I do anything I hadn't done? Please stand. Let's proclaim. There's this little thing we do. That's an ancient tradition of the church that we proclaim out loud the mystery of our faith. Will you proclaim to me? Let's proclaim it together. The mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Praise him. Amen. Tell me, Peter, Doug, each one of you, Sarah, Lizzie, what do you, what do you believe? Uh, we believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, and he descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. For further information, please feel free to check us out at firstpresbyterian.sf.org or come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1015. We meet at 110 Embarcadero, just a block away from the Ferry Building, and we can't wait to see you.